Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Conference USA Report podcast. Let's talk about it. We had another weekend of COVID football, pandemic football, y'all. Um, and you know what? This one was a little bit more successful. Uh, UAB in action. UTEP. I mean, well, UTEP played a game. I don't know if they were in action. Uh, Charlotte played. UTSA made their debut. West Kentucky also made a debut. Um, this week started with the the bad news that, that Tech and Baylor were getting uh, postponed. Uh, previously, Marshall and East Carolina had gotten postponed. And FIU and UCF were supposed to kick off this week. It's kind of weird. Again, I think we should we should pause before we continue with this show to acknowledge anybody that's been affected by COVID, and uh, you know that that at least I'm not taking it lightly, right? I think everybody is, is wearing masks or trying to do the right things, things that they feel are important. There are a lot of people that don't think it's a big deal, uh, and uh, I don't understand those people. Um, but I was reading, uh, you know, like basically early in the pandemic that. That's how people were treating the the Black Plague. That people, it just it was so awful. They were just like, you know what? Who cares, man? Let's just go have a good time. Why even uh, worry? Uh, we're gonna die a horrible death anyway, so might as well enjoy some good times to balance it out. I can get that. I can get that as a strategy. So, um, you know, I'm not gonna demonize people that are that are dealing with it by just being irresponsible. Can I say that? Can I say irresponsible? But I think that there are better ways to approach it. Uh, and I think we can we can enjoy some of our lives while also being um, you know thoughtful and uh, empathetic and uh, good citizens, right? In this society together, helping each other out. Uh, all that said, let's let's get to it. Um, we'll start Thursday. UAB Miami, the uh, the blazing blazers of uh, Alabama Birmingham. Uh, they they uh, UAB. It's pretty much the best team in the West, right? Like, all that caveated, uh, which just means warning, right? All that with the the warning label that Conference USA as a whole is not super impressive. And I think if you go team for team down the line with, like, the Sun Belt right now, last couple seasons, uh, the Sun Belt can make a better case of being a stronger team, a stronger conference, stronger league right now. Uh, you know, this always changes. I don't really love the, um, uh, you know, like conference comparisons all the time because the nature of college football is that uh, you get a new batch of, of players every season, uh, impactful players, and then you rotate out uh, a whole group, 20, 30 people, uh, people that were big-time contributors. So you're going to get a lot of variation, a lot of flux. Uh, guys that you brought in with high ratings, maybe they pan out, maybe they don't. Coaches change. Uh, you know, good ones move up or are out, and uh, bad ones are replaced, right? So there's lots of change in college football. And, uh, you know, you can't really compare it one-to-one. I think just like a rolling average is good, um, and then kind of just take it in as a whole, right? Uh, Conference USA has been trending downward, I think, since about 2013 in terms of strength. And, uh, like, the Sunbelt Conference, which was pretty terrible there for for a while— has been getting a little bit better, right? Uh, App State has been really good. Arkansas State's been really good. Um, and, you know, we, we come to this weekend where uh, there were some good games for Conference USA. It was a nice little showcase of some of the, the quality that is on display there. But, uh, you know, Texas State has impressed two weekends in a row. Um, Louisiana, right? Uh, ULL, whatever they want to be called. 
Uh, I always remember them as, a, you know, just the Raging Cajuns. They impressed. They beat Iowa State at Iowa State. Uh, and, you know, right now you might be like, hey, wait, dude, you're talking a lot of Sunbelt Conference. But we played a lot of Sunbelt teams this week, and uh, we're always going to be uh, compared to the Sunbelt, right, the Conference USA uh, squad. So I think it's important to, to you know, gauge your enemy, right? Know your opponent, I guess. Um, know the landscape. So anyway, uh, some impressive games from the Sun Belt and Conference USA. You know, maybe not as impressive. Uh, you know, last year, uh, uh, last couple seasons, North Texas, Western Kentucky being Arkansas. Uh, that's been good. Uh, you know, last year North Texas gave a good game to Cal. Um, mixed in there, there's been some good games against some other opponents. But the big one was uh, FIU whooping up on Miami, right? It was a in-city uh, game, right? City rivalry, cross-town rivalry. Uh, FIU, which was having a bad season, jumped up and whooped the Hurricanes. Uh, so coming into this game, UAB, one of the better teams in the conference, right? Uh, defending West champ, um, pretty much picked across the board to represent the West again. Um Quality, quality coaching, you know, returning players, all the things, right? And then uh, they're taking on Miami, who's have, which had an influx of talent. Uh, they've gotten a little bit better. They made some coaching changes. They're not the same team. But this is a game where you want your best, UAB, to compete well with Miami. Uh, and as it was, you know, the final score, 31-14, it's not going to turn a whole lot of heads, right? You're not going to... Uh, impress anybody with just that and you know uh you can bemoan the fact that people are not you know didn't watch the game or see the subtleties or actually see that how for three of the four downs we really competed or whatever the case may be uh all those are are true but um you know people enjoy college football at lots of different levels right some people just like to see highlights some people just watch the just look at the box scores some people just look, look at the the headlines and the scores right so if you want to win the hearts and minds, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you got to win across all those uh, those metrics. You got to win the football end game, right? Uh, for the hardcore people who say, "Wow, you know what? They're doing some amazing things down there at whatever you know city and whatever small town and whatever state at whatever university, and they're doing some really cool things, really clever things." Uh, and then they're putting up some impressive wins. And look, hey, look, they got the headline, whatever. That's how you build all of it, right? You can't just be winning ugly all the time, uh, squeaking out victories. Um, you know, that doesn't impress everybody all the time or all across the board. So keep that in mind when we're talking about this. 31-14, through the the half, obviously, it's 14-7. I thought UAB played well. They showed that their defense is stout still, that their run game is powerful still, uh, things that we had already noted in the previous week. Um, it looks like Derek King is still a baller. for, Houston, for uh, He used to be at Houston. I misspoke there. But uh, he's the new guy at Miami. He, d- he didn't put up big-time numbers, and that's a credit to UAB. Uh, they, they defended well. They're in good spots. Uh, they were, you know, doing the things they were supposed to do, but they got out-talented, right? Sometimes it's all about one man beating another man, and uh, Derek King was the fastest dude on the field for both teams. Uh, he showed it. 
When everybody was locked up and there was nowhere to go with the ball, he evaded a tackle, sprinted past two lines of defense, and made some things happen. He even did a few things where, you know, the, the drive ended up in a punt, right? And that's, uh, again, credit to Miami. But he made everybody go, wow. Well, he's really impressive. He's doing good things. So what does this mean? It means that UAB is probably still not at the level where they can just simply turn it up and get better year to year. Um the way that Miami can, right? Like Miami's still a name program. They have national championships on their on their wall and their history books. And so when they want to, you know, they can always play that card and say, hey, we're Miami, come to Miami, be a part of this program. UAB doesn't have that kind of history. You can't just pull in talent the same kind of way. Um, the facilities are not there, et cetera, et cetera, right? Just competitive disadvantage all the way across the board when you're trying to recruit talent. Uh, that's not to say UAB is not getting talent, because they are. Uh, it's not as quickly, maybe at, not at a high level as the same, you know, uh, not a whole lot of five stars going to UAB, but a lot of good players. So, um, relatively disappointing game. I mean, again, you want uh, UAB to compete in this one a little bit closer than a 31-14 game. Uh, third quarter was kind of it was kind of over there. Tyler Johnson... You know, he, he didn't play as well as, as you need him to play to beat this kind of opponent. And that's been the Achilles heel um, for UAB. But like I said, I, I think I tweeted about this. Um, one thing we've noticed about UAB past few years is that they've, they have a weakness at quarterback, right? And that's not to say that, they, you know, the guys are not stepping out and throwing for 300 yards occasionally. But when it comes ta- uh, time to make a play, you don't say, well, good thing we have quarterback one back there, right? doesn't happen. Uh, nobody's saying, you know what, we're going to go to our strength, and so let's call a seven-step seven step drop and, uh, you know, just let, them, let it fly. It's not happening. But that's fine. They've competed with defense and the run game, uh, and they have a, you know, 3,000-yard career rusher in, uh, in uh, Brown. Spencer Brown, uh, and they have a, a championship-winning defense, right? It's still there. Still has one or two players left, I think, if I just going off the top of my head on the roster. Um, good program, good coaches. You know, they're in a good spot. So uh, I say that, I emphasize that, so that way nobody just freaks out at me on Twitter the way everybody is wont to do. Um, does this change the rest of their season, right? That's always the question. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second, but um, about that, that idea of, rating everything by its uh by like the next thing all right cool we won but what does that mean um you know i just kind of been thinking about this during the pandemic and and the way that we talk about sports and and kind of everything right uh sometimes if you love football it's good to just enjoy a football game happening in front of you uh i think a lot of twitter definitely I've, i've been guilty of it too uh enjoy it through this kind of snarky lens where you're just saying, uh, well, look at my superior knowledge of this team, you know, um, Texas state going to Texas state or UAB. This is so typical of Texas state to fumble at this point or whatever the case may be. I say Texas state cause I just saw a lot of that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, and not to, not to sound like a lame, but, um, I think it's important to just kind of step back a little bit, uh, or else we'll miss some of the good times, right? UAB is having uh, a great three, four-year run right here, right? Since the return, they had a great season. 
uh, winning some games that nobody really expected them to. Uh, the next season, uh, was the next season they won the title? Um, and then, then uh, you know, just really good good football being had over there, right? Good wins, uh, big moments. Um, you want to play for important moments. And so it's, yeah, yeah you care about what, what a win does for you for the rest of the season. Um, and I, I kind of talk about this, right? When you're judging programs, because of that turnover that I mentioned, you definitely want the occasional um, rebuilding year. Well, I guess you don't want it, but you want to plan for it, right? You know that sometimes, hey, you know what? We don't have senior leadership, and we just got to let the young guys get better. And by letting young guys play, that means there's going to be mistakes, and we're probably not going to win games every game uh, that we should, quote unquote, right? Um, but it's going to pay off later on because those young guys uh, are going to have talent and experience, you know, a couple of seasons down the line, and that's going to pay off, and we're going to get championship caliber teams, right? Um, so you allow for like a rebuilding year, transitionary year, that kind of thing. Uh, and everybody likes, oh, we don't rebuild, we reload around here. But still, it always happens, right? Um, and so it's important that uh, you do have some progress there, like a well-built program will build up to like a crescendo. And in those crescendo years, um, you got to allow for some wiggle room, right? Some guys that you develop, maybe they get hurt, whatever. Stuff happens. You can't win a title every four years, right? Or not every program. But you want to be competitive. And I know that's kind of vague and whatever, right? What is competitive? But it, it it's exactly that, right? You're playing in those big moments. You're playing in games that matter. Um, it's a, hey, if we win this game, then we lock up the West Division. Uh, or, hey, if we win this game, you know, we're going bowling, right? Or we have a chance to go bowling. Uh, where Whatever it is to your program at that time in its own development. But you want it to build up, right? And then you allow for it to kind of... Uh, return, I guess, to rebuild mode or, 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 or uh, basically uh, restart. And then the cycle happens again, right? A little great circle of life. Everybody watching Lion King, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, take that as you watch your team play. Um, uh, like, say, right now, Charlotte. Right? We'll talk about Charlotte in a second. But Charlotte's on the way up. Uh, they're gonna, they lost this game, but everybody still feels kind of good. Uh, they ended last season. Um, with, with everybody feeling good because there's a lot of progress, right? Entertaining offense, this, that, and the other. Eventually, you know, those moral victories that people like to pretend nobody likes, uh, they're not going to be enough. And you're going to say, hey, you know, uh, it's great to score 42 and lose, but uh, I'd like to maybe I'd settle for scoring 35 and winning or 28 and, and getting a win. Or maybe not so many, uh, you know, club lit or, or crazy antics by the coach, but maybe just a nice... Uh, a nice win uh, on the road and getting out of there. Um, that's part of the development of the program, right? That's what, at least for me, is a fascinating part about watching uh, and, and being a fan of college football is the development of the program, the development of teams, of organizations. All that is fun. It's fascinating to me. Um, so getting back to UAB, uh, it's a little disappointing in that you want them, this kind of team, this caliber of a team, you expect them to be a little bit more competitive in this kind of situation. Uh, all that uh, with the understanding that COVID time means everything is weird time and nothing is the same. So UAB still has a chance 
to complete the season, uh, you know, basically unblemished in the, in the league. Uh, I don't really see anybody in the West that's definitely better than them. Um, you know, obviously with the caveat that it's COVID time, anything can happen. Um, all right, let's talk about Charlotte. I, I mentioned them. They started out well. Uh, it was at like 14-10 at the half, played Appalachian State. I think uh, Charlotte led after one or something, I believe. Let me check my notes. Yes, 7 nothing after one. Started out well, played uh, played some good offense, that same kind of high tempo, um, uh, mixing in the run of the pass, looking fun, um, not being boring, not making mistakes. Um, Appalachian State is a good program. They're at home. Uh, they they won last season's matchup, and I think afterwards there was a little, uh, can we call it gamesmanship? I think everybody on Charlotte Twitter was calling it uh, classless, but... A bunch of App State dudes uh, were holding up the club lit sign that apparently was left over from last season and uh, making, we'll just say making gestures at the camera. Somebody posted this on Instagram or something. Um, whatever. I, I think that's that's part of the the sportsmanship that happens. Uh, I mean, whatever. I, they're not in the conference. It, it might mean that, hey, let's schedule another one so we can uh, we can have some real fireworks next time. Um but Appalachian State, when you win, you get to talk. And if that's how they choose to talk, that's how they choose to talk. Uh, is it classy or whatever? But, I mean, no, it's not. It, but no, There's not really... I don't really care. I don't really care about this. Um, Charlotte's still on the way up. Uh, they didn't score uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, only managed the field goal in the second. Uh, still working on some things. They're still building their program. Um we're not going to expect a whole lot from them this season. They maybe by default because the rest of the East is kind of weird. Again, with the caveat that COVID makes everything different. But uh, I like where Charlotte's going as a program. Will Hilly is a is a good coach. He's a fun coach. He brings excitement, that kind of thing. Um, I think that jump start did wonders last season. Um, what happens now is that they need to figure out what happens going forward, right? How do you maintain a program once you got everybody's attention? Once you're doing things, being excited and whatever, uh, that's one thing, and that can last for a little bit. But after that, you have to start, you know, laying down roots and building your your plan. Your plan can't always be, "Hey, we're doing things different around here." Um, and I'm I'm not saying that to, to criticize them. I'm just saying that that's just the way it is. Uh, so when you when we're looking at Will Healy going forward, those are the things that we're gonna have to start to expect. Probably year three. Right now, it's still kind of fun. Uh, a little bit of growing pains, right? He he went through the first year, had a lot of ups and downs. He thought, hey, maybe we lost some excitement midway, but we got. He's kind of still figuring out how to coach his team and motivate his team over a season. And this season doesn't help because it's very unique. So whatever he takeaways he gets in this one may not apply to the next one. So that's part of the challenge, right? That's part of the growth as a head coach um, and that program in particular, but. Charlotte has has a chance to make some noise. There are some uh, interesting teams in the in the East, right? Marshall's always uh, they're always there, but um, you, you know, Western Kentucky's kind of sort of there. Uh, but Charlotte, they're doing good things. If you can just go out and score, if you can do one or two things well in this league, I think you'll be all right. There are no great teams, maybe you know, accepting UAB in this conference. But like I said, everybody has a weakness. That's the, the great thing about football. Anybody could beat anybody on the day. So uh, I, I like where Charlotte is right now. Um, a little bit of disappointing loss. 
Um, you know, it was not as, as back and forth as last year's game was, so we can't be too excited about it. But yeah, uh, moving on. I'm going to say the the game of the day for the Yanks. We're going to talk a lot about that UTSA-Texas State game. Uh, let's briefly touch on Western Kentucky and Louisville. Uh, pretty boring game. Uh, I mean, it was hard to, to really be into this when Louisville pretty much had their way in this game for the first half. Uh, Western Kentucky did tack on a couple touchdowns in the second, but didn't really do too much. Uh, Louisville won this one 35-21. Uh, Western Kentucky was breaking in uh, a new quarterback. Um, not, not really much to say uh, across the board. Was it uh, Pegram? 10-23, 129 yards a score. Obviously not impressive. He didn't run 70, 17 times for 68 yards, which is typical for, uh, you know, like an athletic quarterback. Like, let me run uh, and not really uh, finding guys in the offense. And, I mean, obviously Louisville was making things different, uh, difficult for him. So this is just a learning game for, for the squad. Uh, you like that Western Kentucky jumped out early, right? Gage Walker continuing his uh, solid play. He had a score, but this is all Louisville. Uh, there was nothing more to say about this game. Um, you know, West Kentucky only managed 250 yards. What you don't want is that this to be more of the uh, uh, couple of seasons ago, right, pre-Tyson Helton, uh, West Kentucky squad that had trouble scoring, had trouble doing anything. But I think we can just chalk this one up to, uh, you know, COVID limiting practice a little bit. And, uh, you know, Louisville being good and just kind of that stuff. First game weirdness. Uh, I expect a little bit more from West Kentucky. But I think I tweeted this. I don't really know what to expect overall from West Kentucky. They impressed last season. But I think some of that was like, hey, here's a coach that kind of knows what he's doing. He's a little bit more calm. And so we're just doing some of the little things right. And, hey, it turns out those will win you football games. But I don't know that they have the kind of identity they want yet. Like, I think he's still building that up. I mean, was it media days last season, right? Uh, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, I, this is going to be a challenging season, but I'm not going to tell my players that because I don't want them to make excuses. Right. We're not going to say, Hey, this is when you're going to run into a lot of losses. Like that's unfair to the seniors. It's unfair to everybody, but you know, we're just kind of not there yet. We, we haven't built the team that we want. So we're going to continue to see, that they're going to compete the best they can every week but it's still under construction right um let's let's just briefly let's get utep out of the way 59 to 3 texas just walked through this game uh you know they were just it was like a practice game for them guys are just breaking tackles uh like nothing basically um I think Ellinger had like five touchdowns in the first half or something like that. There was nearly 700 yards for Texas while UTEP managed just like 200. Uh, nothing looked good in this game. It's one thing to get beat by a team better than you, but it's another thing to look like you just didn't belong on the field. Um, and that's that's basically what happened. Um, demo squad looked slow. They looked out of place. They looked like they didn't know where they wanted to be or where they should be or like they wanted to compete in this game. And, um, you know, there's nothing more to say about it. Uh, UTEP has been bad for a lot of seasons, so uh, it's unsurprising in that respect. But this is year three now, right? Yes, year three of the demo um, uh, era. And 
if you can't get your players to play, to play hard, then, you know, I don't know what. By this time, we should see, we should be seeing more of what Demo, Demo wanted his team to be. It's his third year building it up. Um, you know, I just kind of mentioned Helton's uh, progress here. Um, I know UTEP is a tough place to, to build a program. And there are challenges that weren't there previously, like uh, uh, just the recruiting area that, you know, UTEP used to recruit basically all of South Texas and just kind of that whole area because they were really the only FBS team uh, in the Conference USA level, you know, that wanted those kinds of kids, right? Because Rice is, they're recruiting a different uh, demographic. Um, Well, now you got Texas State is now an FBS squad and UTSA is an FBS squad. Uh, and then you have like uh, Incarnate Word starting football and going F- FCS and saying, hey, well, why go all the way out to El Paso? Maybe you stay here. Uh, and I heard that from the Incarnate Word coach when I interviewed him. He was saying, yeah, like there's a lot of talent in South Texas and the San Antonio area. When he was at Texas Tech, um, he came down and said he was responsible for this area. And he's like, there's a lot of talent down here. And, you know, I'm, we're kind of fending off, uh, you know, UTEP and, and uh, the other schools, schools I named. So, there are more. There's more competition for the areas that UTEP was recruiting from previously, and that means that things are tougher. It's harder to win at UTEP, and we have seen that because uh, they were very bad, very bad in this game. Uh, UTEP is one and one on the season, though. They did get their win, their one season win. Um, are you guys ready? You guys ready to talk about uh, UTEP? I mean, sorry. UTSA and Texas State. I just insulted every roadrunner that I know. Um, let's get into it. 51-48 thriller. Ended in double overtime. Uh, thanks to a kicker missing uh, <laughs> a couple of big-time uh, clutch kick opportunities. Uh, this game was filled with some great catches, uh, with uh, some crazy plays, some uh, great individual efforts. Uh, it, it was the classic college football game, right, where you see – Stuff that wouldn't happen in an NFL game. You're like, why would they do that? Why would he miss a kick at that point? Or why would they make this decision? Or whatever. Um, that's part of the fun of college football is, uh, you know, you get to see crazy comebacks, uh, amazing plays, uh, some silly plays, and some terrible misses. And it makes for some dramatics. This is a rivalry game, but UTSA has won four straight. This was probably the first chance that Texas State uh, had, well, I would say year one they had a they had a, a decent shot of, of beating UTSA right UTSA was like still on the come up there in FCS I think at the time. Um, so last week set the stage. Last week Texas State played SMU, uh, and they gave them a good game, only losing by seven I think it was right twenty eight twenty one. The quarterback Brady McBride was out there throwing crazy passes. Uh, there was a, an amazing catch, one handed catch that made all the highlight reels for Texas State. Um, and UTSA. Obviously struggled that last season. They had a first-year coach. A lot of challenges because they don't know who's going to be their starter. Uh, not a whole lot of practice time. They're getting the third and fourth-string guys out there because, you know, they're concerned about COVID. Practice time is li- limited. So we don't know, right? I think Jeff Trailer said, yeah, we're, we're kind of going very vanilla. We want them to play fast, but, you know, that means we have a vanilla offense and a vanilla defense. So uh, that gives us uh, some vulnerabilities there. Um Meanwhile, Texas State is a little bit ahead in the development process, right? Uh, Jake Spavitol 
had already been developing his program last season. He kind of went through some growing pains. He's kind of put some guys in place. Basically, they're a little bit ahead. And uh, it really looked like UTSA was uh, going to lose this one. I think they were only like a seven-point favorite or something like that. Um, So, lo and behold, uh, you know, Texas State jumps right out. Big 66-yard pass. And you're like, oh, man, is uh, UTSA still the terrible tackling team that they were last season? Uh, and the answer to that question is, well, yes, they still, there was a lot of missed tackles in this one. But the answer, right, Frank Harris comes down and uh, uh, UTSA scores on two plays. I think uh, I think this is the one they, they he gave it to the Judson kid. So um, running back played at uh, Converse Judson and Frank Harris played at Shirts Clemens. And if you know anything about the San Antonio area, they're just basically right next to each other. Uh, and, uh, you know, Shirts versus Clemens, at least uh, in the past 10 years, has always been a big deal around that area. I think Steele has kind of become more of, uh, uh, of a big player in there. But uh, for a while, there was Shirts and Clemens. I went to Clemens. So, you know. Anyway, uh, Frank Harris, um, he scores uh, on a 17-yard run. And we're like, hey, man, maybe we're in for a, a fireworks show. Uh, and then after this, Pretty much, Sincere McCormick is his name. I just remembered it. After this, we pretty much had uh, a dominant display by UTSA, right? I think they, they went up, it was like 24-7 at one point, like at halftime. Yeah, at halftime, it was up 24-7. Uh, they, were, they didn't really throw the ball too well. I think Frank Harris uh, only managed like 140 yards passing uh, at the end of regulation uh, on like 28 passes, too. Uh, there was a, just a lot of dominant running. Um, the The... Defense kind of settled in. It looked like they kind of figured out what they want. Well, they, they kind of adjusted to Tyler Vitt, the Texas State quarterback. Um, he was a last-minute uh, replacement. Like, literally, I think they said they, they told him the night before uh, for Brady McBride, the quarterback. So UT, uh, UTSA benefited from that, but they also hadn't seen this quarterback, right? They hadn't prepared for him. Um, so uh, then Texas State starts getting back into it, a little bit back and forth. Uh, third quarter ends 31-21 after a Calvin Hill touchdown by uh, 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 Texas State. Uh, UTSA goes up uh, 34-28 after a field goal. After, you know, uh, Texas State scores again to make it 28-31. Things are getting kind of nervous. Um, but big 81-yard interception return. Looked like it killed things. Looked like we, you know, like uh, we were going to see UTSA just basically in the comeback. Um, up to that point, it looks like Texas State figured out, hey, I think the way we, we do this is just do uh, running back draws, and uh, we let the quarterback chuck it up to our receivers uh, who are out there on islands and let them win the game. Whatever yards that uh, Tyler Vitt was getting were really credit to his receivers at that point, and that's concerning to you if you're a Roadrunner fan, like long-term, right, development of the program, you have some some seniors and juniors out there. None of these guys are just like freshmen. Um, but it looks like Tyrone Nix, uh, the new defensive coordinator, wants to bring pressure and is trusting his guys to win, uh, you know, on an island out there. That's not a bad strategy, but you're going to see uh, you're gonna see occasions where they get beat, right? And then it makes it easy to criticize. I'm like, well, my God, what are they doing? Why is he getting beat out there? Uh, that's that's the nature of playing cornerback on an island like that. When when you miss, there's nobody there to help you. It's an island. Um, in recent seasons, North Texas has, has kind of uh, they they played that that kind of strategy. And 
was it a couple seasons ago that was great uh, when uh, when EJ Ajia was getting sacks and Nate Brooks who went to the NFL and Kimon Hall who's, who went to the NFL also were you know shutting everybody down. But when they went up against a little bit better competition, like when they were playing uh, NFL future NFL receiver uh, like Cortland uh, Cortland Sutton and SMU, and he tore them up because he made them look terrible. Um, all of a sudden, that looks like the worst strategy ever, right? Um, and, you know, uh, Troy Rafferty ended up getting fired. So that's the nature of the thing, right? You always got to get pressure on the quarterback. And sometimes if you can get it with your front four, your front three, uh, then great. It makes everybody look good. But if you can't, maybe you bring pressure, but that, that puts you at risk. It means you got a, uh, you know, single cover in the back, and it can make you look bad. Um, UTSA was getting some pressure on, on Tyler Vitt, but it was not there enough. And 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 uh, he threw up. He threw he threw up. He threw up some nice passes, letting his guys make a play. And credit to those guys, they made plays. Uh, was that Barbie? That guy, Marcus Barbie, I think his name is. Uh, he made a couple incredible catches. Um, you know, and Texas State fully deserved their comeback, even though it was those are the only two options they had. Chuck it up and uh, try to get something on the draw. Um, I expect UTSA is going to tighten some of those things up now that they've had uh, a little experience here, right? You've had some repetitions. You know, you can talk about the run. It's like, hey, you remember this play? Let's look at the film. Look at you getting smoked right here because you didn't, you didn't uh, um, fit your, your gap here. Um, anyway, big moment here, 34-28. Texas State is driving again using the same uh, strategy. Uh, that they had before. They actually scored on that drive, but it was ruled out because the guy caught it, stepped out of bounds, right? Um, so UTSA puts Texas State in a fourth and five. Texas State runs a little uh, a little mesh. And uh, and I think maybe here's where uh, Tyler Vitt's inexperience, you know, getting the first team reps here kind of kind of bit him uh instead of making the first throw that was open he kind of held it held it held it and then looked for a guy uh, on the left side crossing he threw it behind him ball's tip Rashad Wisdom intercepts it returns it 81 yards uh pretty much sealing the game I think that's what I wrote right uh on Twitter um Wisdom obviously uh had a you know he had a dramatic summer traumatic summer uh his brother Bryce Wisdom uh died of cancer and, uh, I mean, it was, yeah, I hate reducing, you know, moments like that to just, uh, you know, feel good moments in the football field. But you saw a lot of tweets like, what a great moment for him. Basically the game winning touchdown, um, on, you know, the, the first game back after, after his brother died, uh, obviously a special moment for him that seemed to have sealed the game. There was three minutes, 24 seconds left in the game, but, but uh, Marcel Barbie, that's his name. Uh, he scores quickly, right? At 324 is when uh, Rashad Wisdom crossed the line. Um, and then minute 51 was when uh, Barbie came, comes down for the 20-yard touchdown pass. Pretty much the same deal. Chuck it up, let her guys make a play. Uh, I think there was a couple pass interferences, a couple penalties uh, that kind of helped uh, Texas State down the field. And again, a little inexperience on UTSA side, uh, not executing the scheme, a little bit out of position. Now you're holding, now you're committing uh, pass interference. That's how it works. Um, I think UTSA had, had something like 116 yards of penalties at that point. Um, 
But again, six plays, 75 yards in a minute 33 for Texas State. Gets it down to 45-35, or 41-35, I'm sorry. Um, so pretty much onside kick time, or you kick it deep and let your defense make a play. What are you going to do? Um, here's where Spavitol decided to like kind of you know fake uh, fake a deep kick and then lined up, kicked the onside kick. UTSA grabbed it easily, just need a first down to win this game. Uh, Four-yard run, two-yard loss, and then third down, what do you do? Uh, here's where I saw some silly criticism. A couple fans were like, uh, go for it, try to get the first down. While I agree with that generally, UTSA up to that point had not amassed uh, their offensive points and their off- offensive yards by chucking the ball down the field. So trying to do something different than you've done all game and maybe that you practiced uh, is maybe not the smartest thing. They said, let's keep it on the ground. Let's keep it in our quarterback's hands. We'll let him run and try to make a play. Uh, you know, didn't work out. Force a punt. Cool. You're at midfield. Let's, you know, cough and corner them and seal this game. If they're going to come all the way back, uh, let's, you know, let's make them, let's make them earn it. Uh, there were some shades of that Mason Fine comeback against uh, UTSA a couple seasons ago where uh, UTSA maybe had a chance to, to convert it. I think those are different circumstances, and that UTSA offense is a little bit better. But they punted. Mason Fine leads them all the way down uh, to a game-winning touchdown. And you know what? That game-winning touchdown was on mesh. Just FYI. Um, back to the, to, the, to the game. Jeremiah Haydell, uh, 91-yard punt return. You've probably seen this. It's been all over SportsCenter. It was all over Twitter afterwards. 91 yards to the house, uh, made UTSA look slow, made them look like they couldn't tackle. I think there were three, by my count, missed tackles or some arm tackles that he just ran through. Uh, 41-41, pending the extra point. And at that point, there would have been a minute 16 left in the game. And again, with a, an offense that wasn't exactly moving down the ball down the field through the air. So uh, could have won the game for him. Uh, I think the kid's name, uh, Aaron Allen Arona, Shanks it left, and uh, that was a huge moment for lots of reasons. I think the local, uh, like in-game fans, uh, Texas uh, UTSA fans, are booing the subsequent decision to play of overtime. But there was only a minute left. I totally understand it and say let's instead of speeding everybody up with this offense that we've just installed, let's talk about it. Let's you know uh, remove the time pressure and uh, you know go down there and, and, and just make some plays. Uh, UTSA scores on a hell of a pass from Frank Harris. Uh, I think the, the the broadcast noted that Texas State had switched up from kind of a zone defense to, I think they were just doing a lot of cover three, to saying, all right, let's go man up on this last play and kind of shut things down. I guess they didn't want Frank Harris to to escape uh, and, and get a first down with his legs. They changed it up. Uh, a crazy cross-field pass from Frank Harris, and this is why... You know, they've missed him. He's a junior now. He's had a couple seasons where he, he blew out basically both uh, ACLs and he had a shoulder injury last season. Uh, he was a talent. Uh, a couple Conference USA schools wanted him, including UTSA and, and North Texas. Um, so it was his time to shine. He made a play. He showed why he was wanted, right, and showed why he got the number one uh, number one job. Great catch by uh, Joshua Cephas, who who got to talk all kinds of mess afterwards. But when you make a catch like that, yeah, you get to, you get to talk all the noise that you want. Um, 
The defensive back kind of helped him <laughs> make the catch a little bit because uh, Cephas reached out under one-handed. It landed in his arm, but he probably would have fumbled with it if the defensive back hadn't like landed on him and kind of pinned it to his chest. Uh, whatever, uh, you know, you don't you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Mouth, you know. Touchdown, UTSA. Uh, Texas State. They score in the next one. Another Marcel Barbie. Uh, incredible catch, but this one's only from four yards. Uh, now we get Texas State to go up to bat first, right, basically. They don't convert, and this is like the first time that they didn't score a touchdown on the drive. And I'm looking at the at the scoring. They had a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, one, two, three, four straight touchdowns, five, six straight touchdowns on, on drives for, for Texas State. Um, line up for a field goal. And uh, the Arona kid shanks it this time. And that pretty much puts UTSA in the driver's seat. They got a kicker they trust. Uh, Hunter Duplesis uh, knocks it a 29 yard field goal. He did it twice, right? Because uh, uh, Spavitol did that thing where he, he called timeout that I, that I hate. Um, incredible game. Uh, everybody was uh, tweeting about it. Lots of big name writers and, and, and people. Uh, a lot of people that like to just treat Conference USA as a quirky little thing. Like, aren't they so cute playing some football over here, pretending like they're real people? Um, and I, I think it's important to note that Conference USA, like the top level, um, you get good games like this every week, right? Uh, there's some good football teams. There's lots of talent here. Uh, Aaron Jones is in the NFL. I mentioned Nick Needham was in the NFL, right, former uh, – former, um, UTEP minor um, and uh, a couple of North Texas guys are in the NFL. Um, basically, any team that you name, there's some NFL guys over there, right? Uh, uh, San Francisco is like Southern Miss West right now. West right now. Um, lots of guys are in the NFL. There's there's some talent here. There's some good games. There's some drama. There's some uh, uh, quality opponents. Some quality matchups. Good coaches. All that other stuff. And uh, yeah, I think if some of the investment, I guess, uh, in, in like in putting on a good broadcast, uh, and I'm talking about some of their TV partners there, to turn some of these things into more of an event instead of an afterthought, I think you'd see uh, more of these things more regularly, or at the very least, show some of the games that you're not watching. Because I totally get it, right? There's like uh, when all the conferences are playing, right? Right now, we're we're not seeing the Big Ten or the Pac-12, so. There's an absence of some, you know, television inventory, um, and maybe you can't. You, there's not enough time in the day to show all the quality games across all the spectrum, and I get it. But a little more investment, and maybe uh, it becomes easier to bubble up some of the great games to the forefront, right? Um, like maybe you have a, a CBS Sports Network Conference USA show where you show the highlights of the week, and not show the highlights of the fuzzy stream that we're that we're playing, but some some quality uh, quality recording, right? Quality images uh, that would be good for everybody involved, right? For people that want to um, watch their team and get the recap of the rest of the league, right? To get an idea of what's going on, because I think that helps everybody. Um, and it like it helps a UTSA to for the UTSA fans to be invested in what Middle Tennessee is doing. So that way, when Middle Tennessee comes to town, people are not, you know, saying who is this? Why should I care? Right. So uh, things like that help everybody. 
and, and I'd like to see a little bit more uh, forward thinking by you know the powers that be, uh, including including some of the fandom, because I think everybody needs to be invested in it. Um, there was a lot of criticism a couple seasons ago about being sport. Like, where what channel is this even on? Who cares? Like, who's watching this channel? It's stupid. Why are we on it? But I think people failed to see that uh, being sport, which, you know, it's kind of a budget thing, uh, but they're trying to be something else. Um, they're trying to be another outlet for sports. Uh, and right now they're kind of known for soccer and stuff, but uh, those are some of the rights that are available to them. They're trying to branch into college football. Again, uh, they're not going to be able to pay like $3 billion for, for uh, the Pac-12, but they're like, hey, maybe a couple million for the comp- for Conference USA. They'll get us in the door. Um, so anyway, the idea is like, hey, we'll we'll pay we'll pay for these rights, um, and because Conference USA fans, we presume are passionate people, and will seek out whatever outlet is showing their favorite team. They will subscribe. Uh, you know, they'll tell their favorite cable c- provider that they want be in sport, and uh, you know, then we get a better bargaining position, we get a little bit more money, and then we can buy better rights or do more broadcasts, whatever the case may be, right? It works out for everybody. But what happened was that people complained, and they didn't tune in for FIU and Marshall on being sport. Uh, I think that one had like a zero rating one time I saw, I saw that. And, um, you know, eventually being sport said, you know what, let's not do this, let's get rid of it. Um you know, same thing with like CBS Sports. It's a little bit harder to find than regular CBS and whatever, but they want you to do the same thing. They want you to buy that tier or buy CBS All Access and stream some Conference USA, right? You do that, you demonstrate that you're interested in the product and your passion for your team um, is going to make you shell out $5 a month, right? Same thing with Fubo or whatever the case might be. Um, I think the one of the most... Should I say jarring sights I saw was uh, at the home game in Murfreesboro uh, for the Conference USA title game. And it seems like all of Murfreesboro didn't care that their team was playing for the Conference USA title that day. Uh, And I think that's a larger indicator, not to kind of pick on them, but just to show, hey, when when we complain, right, when people are complaining about uh, Conference USA and not really getting the attention it quote-unquote deserves... Uh, it's because at the opportunities that people have to enjoy the game, they don't take them. And so we're asking other people to, you know, invest and risk their time and effort and resources when the fans of the schools are not willing to do the same thing in the numbers necessary. Does that make sense? Anyway, um, again, I think um, it was a good week. It was entertaining football. I was entertained. And that's all we can ask for. This whole thing's entertainment. Um, I thought UTSA put on a good show. Texas State put on a good show. Uh, Charlotte, quality football out there. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week when we get some some of these other teams that are on buys back. Uh, Maybe we get a little La Tech football in there. Still haven't heard from Rice. I know is it at the roost is is still you know uh kind of following the the team there and haven't been much on that front um it's a weird season again, and so I think already I was kind of uh critical of my own coverage of it, just kind of analyzing like what does this win mean for the greater season narrative? 
you know, I maybe slipped a little too much into that and, and not enough just enjoying the actual college football game that's happening. Um, you know, we should enjoy the football because we might not get it again. Might not get any more this season. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can go to the site, click the button. Uh, podcast is there. Uh, if you have any feedback for me, podcast at conferenceusareport.com, which is, well, it's cusareport.com. Uh, please consider joining as a member. It helps uh, it helps us produce more of these shows, uh, keep the site running. Um, and if we get enough investment, people caring, showing that they care, uh, you know, we can hire some more people, send some people when we when it becomes safe to do so to go help cover the game. Um, I can't be at all 14 schools every week. Uh, so, you know, we can kind of do that kind of thing. Maybe do some other fun stuff. So if you're wondering how and why we don't do all the things that maybe you consider to be important, just because there's not enough time uh, or money. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, see you next week. Have a good one.